0: bringing attention to the here and now, Pachubana Dhamma, unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. And so it's not like an act of will from uh, something, when I use this like personal willpower, it's like me, Ajahn having to pay attention or I should, it's about, what should or shouldn't be. There's not like a command, it's just a reminder of attentiveness, openness. Symbols uh, like Avalokiteshvara, listening to the sounds of the universe or this sense of, it's not, Listening to any, you know, you're not trying to find any particular sound, <clears throat> but this sense of opened attention listening. So repeating this every morning is like, uh, you know, to to encourage you, because this is uh, this is intuitive awareness. It's not a not a technique. It's not a meditation technique or anything like that. There's nothing no way I can tell you how to do it or do this and then do that. It's not a one, two, three, four step type it's It's an invitation, a sense of open attentiveness getting to 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 become familiar with it, to trust it, recognize it. Even though we do it, we, you know, it's not that this is totally alien to our life. It's, just, it's we don't really notice. It's not an emphasis to uh, recognize our cultural conditioning is very much one uh, from a personal position of having to learn this, get that, develop, cultivate in terms of conditioned phenomena. <clears throat> And so even though we do this, this it's sati Sampachanya, satipanya. It's not, it's not given any emphasis in our culture, except you know, signs like caution on the road or be aware, or, uh, kind of admonishments of this kind. But then it's usually around, you know, driving a car or doing something where you have to pay attention to what you're doing because of the danger. But for example, here uh, there's no uh, kind of imminent danger. You know, it's not, you're not out on the road, or you know, in a jungle with dangerous animals or anything like that. It's just, you know, you could take, you could sit here the whole morning, lost in your own sense of I like this and I don't like that, and I'm annoyed with this person, and I want this and I don't want that. And there's been a whole world of complaints or personal thoughts, emotions, because there's no, you know, there's no danger. As soon as uh, something happens, like somebody says fire, and then you suddenly come and pay attention, you know, you lurk because fire is a danger. Or driving a car, you have to... <clears throat> have mindfulness otherwise you you can't you know you're you've got a dangerous weapon in your hands you know it's easy it's uh, so many car accidents and harm somebody else or yourself so there's a sense of 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 imminent danger in driving in uh sports for example it, you know you this sense of competitiveness. You can't afford to think very much when you're playing football. You have to be alert. You can't worry about the future or think about yourself and and, and what not, feel sorry for yourself when you're playing basketball. It's that the sense of alertness of having to be in the here and now because of the conditions supporting that. It demands Attention, alertness. But then in your flat in London or in your room, in your cootie, you know, there's uh, no imminent danger, no competitive games going on, nobody sees you, nobody, you know, you're not called to, you know, any, by any, under anyone's watchful eye, so you can get lost in worry, anxiety, self pity, resentment fantasy life. And so in like a meditation, say this, this situation here is safe safest, safest place possible probably. I mean anything could happen, the sky could fall in, plane airplane from Luton could crash down onto the temple any moment. But it's it's not particularly something that that has ever happened or we expect to happen. <clears throat> so we can, you know, live in our own worlds without any attention, without composing, without opening to the here and now. Now That's like these morning reflections, this invitation, encouragement to develop, recognize this, this sense of attentiveness that isn't coming from uh, uh, an imperative or a command or it's not from, you know, because there's danger. It's a kind of encouraging you to r- recognize this It's a natural state of being in which, the the sense of yourself, the your personal uh your ego, your sakya diti sense and all the other and the the problems of the worlds and the feelings you have are no longer your you know what you're operating from. You're no longer that's no longer where you come from. You're coming from the here and now <clears throat> attention, here and now, and recognizing it. So then, using these words like the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned, it's giving it, you know, these these particular words, as we've been doing this chant, aputang, akadang, asankadang, it's just a, a kind of reinforcement of that to see it, you know, to recognize it and, and appreciate, to, to, this is, this, and cultivate this awareness. So it's not dependent on you physically in danger or whatever on, on particular circumstances, but even in the safest, most secure, um, banal situation in your life, you, your refuge is in this awareness. You know, whether you're alone in your Kuti, you're in the group in London, in uh, to on top of a mountain, peaceful with friends and, and uh, trustworthy monks and nuns, or you're in a place of uh, of of dangerous animals, uh, gangsters, criminals, all kinds of other things. (laughs) Dangerous. I mean, this is what, this is is your refuge wherever you are. Whether you're alone or in a group, in a crowd, noisy, tranquil, whatever. Because this is not a condition. It's not about a kind of trance or you know, that you go into. Uh it's not dependent on conditions for its uh you know, it's just recognizing that underlying everything. And as a human individual, <coughs> this is what, you know, this is the this is the the whole point really of being a human being, to me anyway. This is this is this is our great Gift in having this birth as a human being. Otherwise, we're not that much different from animal life. You know, the animals are mindful out of survival. And mindful, you know, a tiger has to be mindful when he's pursuing a deer. You know, so it's, you know, for survival, for getting food. But as human beings, you know, in a country like this, we we aren't on the level of just survival of the fittest. And so we we can live in a totally neurotic, crazy, uh, complicated world of our own making. And then this is awakening to Dhamma. This is the, the, the great gift of the Buddha is Pointing to this so that we have this opportunity to recognize the the deathless, the amuravati, the amatadamma, the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. And then as the chant goes, if there was was not the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned, there'd be no escape from the born, the created, the formed, the conditioned. We, we're just, you know, if there's no escape from it, then we are just victims of our karma. We're not the owners of our karma anymore. We're not reflecting on karma. We're just the helpless victims of the karma we have. as you are know, so we're, we're caught like butterflies in a net or a fly in a spider web were stuck into the samsara with no possible way of getting out of it. So this uh, reflection is is uh, you know the escape from the samsara from the web from the net is Mindfulness here and now, the gate to the deathless. And so most people are stuck in the web, aren't they? You know, you know, you see in your own life, people around you, in the society, we are kind of victims of our karma as person, as personalities. So that's why it is depressing, you know, if, when you when when that's all that you, you know, you just have your sense of yourself, your your my feelings, my thoughts, my body, all these are going to disappoint you. You know, and, uh, you know, the your body is going to get old and get sick and who knows what's going to happen. Your senses, you can go blind or deaf or whatever. Ever-present dangers, possibilities of losing that which which we identify with on a condition in the conditioned world. So, and then the society changes, the economy crash, political upheavals, <clears throat> climate change, all the <laughs> signs and dangers, Armageddon, war. Natural disasters, on and on. There's, you know, there's ever-present danger in the samsara. <coughs> so uh, the Buddha is pointing out the danger of samsara. Uh, you know, if we if, if we don't see it, in this, not to make us frightened, scared uh, people, but to awaken us. Not to to waste our lives. With with illusions, you know, just by not awakening, just by being caught up, without any attempt to to look and understand or know the real, see the Dhamma. <laughs> now the the biggest obstacle, of course, I keep repeating, is the sakya the 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 the. the the conditioned sense of self, and that's such very strong habit, Because that's the way everything seems, you know, the seeming world. The society we live in believes totally in the self as our reality. You know, doesn't without question. So you know, this is uh, you know, it's uh, ingrained in the. Silabhatabharamasa, in our cultural conditioning, social identities, in the way we think. Your whole thinking process is based on that illusion of I am this body, I am this person, my memories. I mean, it's uh, so these first three fetters, sakya, ditti, silabhatabharamasa, vichi, kecha, are. The, the fetters you know, are things that bind you, that hold you into the net. You're trapped in the net like a butterfly or a, or a, a fly in a spider web. As long as, as you never penetrate or see through these first three fetters, you're stuck in, in, the, in that web. You know what happens to a fly when it's uh, stuck in a spider web. So when the spider gets around to eating you, that's what, (laughs) that must be terrifying, you know, for the fly uh, to see this, this ominous spider coming towards you, knowing very well what it's going to do. This is, you know, so I mean, there's a lot of terror and danger. This is natural in conditioned phenomena, survival, and the spider needs something to eat. You know, it's it's operating in its own karma. It's not a cruel creature that enjoys, uh, you know, it's not like a cannibal or some horrid creature that enjoys uh, swallowing flies out of malice. It's, it's nature, that's its karma. You know, a spider has to survive as a creature. And that's how it's, it's developed, making beautiful spider webs to trap insects. So it's not that, uh, you know, take sides uh, with the fly against the, the spider, but recognize that the conditioned realm is like that. It is about survival. Then the way out of that condition realm, if there was no, if there was not the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned, there'd no, there'd be no way out of it. We just have to, you know, we just do what we have to do for survival, procreation of the species, instinctual intelligence, and so that's why. The human birth is considered a, a great gift because we have a similar problems. We, we, you know, we have animal bodies. We procreate the same way as other animals. We, you know, we have to eat and sleep. So we have we're sensitive. Creatures in a sense realm. And so that is, but then the, the, the uh, blessing of the human birth is we can reflect on it. So that's putting it in, in say, in Buddhist terminology, Buddha knowing the Dhamma. So that's the reflective paradigm. So that's why, and when we take this uh, refuge in the Buddha Dhamma Sangha, you know, it's not just Theravadan ceremony, you know, it's it's not about me taking refuge in, in, in the Buddha as some kind of tradition, but I've, you know, I've internalized it. This, because of the, Emphasis in Northeast Thailand uh, that the the Northeast Thai forest teachers always use this Puto mantra. So that made it, you know because before that before I came across that I I just saw puttang Sernangachami and the rest is that's part of you, you know the Theravada uh, tradition that's ceremony. You know, like the creed in, in Nicene Creed in Catholicism or whatever. You know, this this is what you learn, and you chant Bhutan Zarnang like that. Then in uh, in the Thai forest tradition, where they emphasize this this You know, so then it's a, it's a word. But it's also like Lung Po Chao is always saying, the one the knowing, the one who knows, who rule. This ability that we have to pay attention, to to be fully present. So Bhutang Sernangachami suddenly no more is no longer just uh, that's what you take on the on the observance days or you know, it's the part of Theravadan ceremony in Pali tradition it's a profound reminder of this reality of ultimate reality of dhamma Bhutto, and then the buddha knows dhamma the buddha's not you know one who who's you know in the after the enlightenment in the scripture <coughs> the buddha never went around saying you know i used to be um, prince siddhartha and my father was King Sudodana and I'm from very aristocratic background, very privileged. <laughs> he didn't, ha- you know, hand out his credentials of the past. Or well, I was, I was a famous ascetic, a Gotama. You know, I could outdo any teacher of the time. I went to all the best samatha teachers, and and you know, whatever they could do, I could do better took me no time at all to 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 prove myself better than even the 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 superstars of that time so this would be <laughs> is true isn't it you know, according to scripture you know, from aristocratic background privileged life uh, went to the best teachers in India at that time and and could outdo all of them in terms of attaining uh, sublime states of consciousness, but <clears throat> and and then when ca- the Buddha was not supposed to be some kind of higher state, you know. There, now I'm the Buddha. I'm, you know, I've reached the pinnacle of human achievement. It's like the dhatukada, that which is here and now. So that that when uh, he referred to himself as the dhatukada, that is. That isn't a, t- a a title you get. You know, it's not like some kind of uh, super title that that only the best can have. It's a it's a reflection that which is present here and now. No, not not a person anymore. Not Prince Siddhartha. Not Gotama the ascetic. Not uh, Gotama the Buddha. Gotama's gone. Prince Siddhartha's a memory. That's all, that's no longer the, the modus operandi, that's no longer where, where he's coming from. The, from that which is present now, which is anatta, the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned, with no, f- no princely uh, memories, no sense of a self, but fully attentive, where the self-views can be seen for what they are. You don't, not like you, you, your personality drops away and it never arises again, but you, you're no longer operating from that illusion of a person, a separate person with a history. Now in, the, in this retreat, you know, use this time to reflect on this to continuous reminding because, uh, you know, the, the illusory world is uh, for most human beings the real world and, and that's what we, we know. We, we know that illusory realm, even if it's a miserable realm for us, at least it, it's familiar This is the unknown, you know. This, this unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. You can't know know it like a memory, remembering past experiences. Then it it's not that. It's not remembering that you were mindful yesterday. It's about the immediacy of attentiveness here and now. Then to to see the, you know, like I found this quite, um, I found it difficult in say on a, the personality. I tend to be critical uh, person. So, I mean, my, my conditioning is trained to be critical. That's what modern education is all about is being able to, you know, say this is better than that, bigger, smaller. The the conditioned realm is the real world. And there are conditions better than others. It's full of shoulds and shouldn'ts, right and wrong, true and false. Altruism, high-mindedness, principles, high standards, the best, uh, as well as, you know, the self-pity, misery, malice, ugliness, evilness, and all the shades of gray between those two extremes, you know, so that a lot of life isn't particularly horrible or marvelous. It's just banal, ordinary. And so it's this ordinariness that that uh, is like monastic life. It's not we're trying to to live on a on a high on a kind of, uh, you know, make ourselves special. Make ourselves into some kind of priesthood or special people in the society. (coughs) (coughs) We're not Brahmin priests or, you know, seeing ourselves as, as special individuals. And if we do, you know, if that's our tendency, then this awareness of that. And not to criticize yourself if you, if you do feel you're a special case, not to say that you shouldn't feel that way, but to recognize it immediately is a condition. You know, it's a phenomenon that arises. I'm, I'm a very special monk. I'm very special person. If that if that thought arises, then it's seen not you know in me because I don't personally. That's not I don't like to see myself in in that context. I'm I'm more modest than that as a person. So it's it's you know modesty is like you know well I'm. You know nothing special about me is a kind of modest uh, self-view. So if I just have some arrogant con- conception of myself as a person, I would tend to say I shouldn't think like that. That's not uh, that's arrogance. You shouldn't be arrogant, Sumato. So there's a a critical. It, what I'm doing there is the the sense of I'm very special, monk, and then the then the then the superego jumps in and says, uh, that is, uh, you know, you're just very conceited is all. You shouldn't be special. And if you feel you are special, you must never tell anybody that you're special. You must always say, I'm just an ordinary guy. Just one of you. And that's modesty. But that's still the self-view, isn't it? Or I can say, you know, I'm, you know, I'm worse than you. I remember one time before I ordained in, I was in Luang Prabang in Laos, and, and uh, this uh, couple, English couple, uh, young with a baby, uh, and the, uh, the man was a doctor, working in Luang Prabang and i met them in a in a kind of a noodle shop you know places where you eat noodles in in Luang Prabang and they asked me to sit down with them and they're a very nice kind of young couple and i told them that i was planning to ordain as a buddhist monk and then and the woman you know she she handed her baby to her husband and she got up you know stood over me and started giving me one of these the Christian testimonials. So she went, went on about how evil she was and, and it's only through Jesus Christ that she could be saved. And I was sitting there listening to this and I, I thought, she's really getting off on, on telling me how evil she is. She doesn't look like she could ever have done anything that bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, she was telling me, you know, she's just not worthy of God's love or Jesus' love, and she was getting high as a kite, you know, floating up in the sky about how bad she is and how Jesus loves her anyway. And she was trying to convince me not to become a Buddhist monk, which obviously uh, <laughs> it had the opposite effect, it. it even convinced me more. <laughs> I mean that you know I'm the worst person in the world can be another kind of conceit. So we, you know we have these these games we play with our minds, you know, and and uh, and that is you know we all have our own games, but but it's uh, not to make that into something we shouldn't have but to recognize it as Dhamma, as a condition that arises and ceases, as a Sankara. We're seeing it in terms from Bhutto Tamo rather than from, from me, this person uh, whose ideals about, have ideals about modesty and propriety and not boasting and, and uh, you know, have very you know, good standards and principles as a person. But it's, uh, so when, you know, because I find arrogant when somebody, you know, comes up and tells me how wonderful they are, it, it, you know, I find, uh, you know, something I find averse. Like arrogance and obvious arrogance and conceit is something I'm critical of in others and in myself as a person. You see, so this emphasis on this awareness of that rather than, you know, don't be afraid or, you know, don't get into thinking that if you have such arrogant concepts of yourself, it's just what it is. You know, this learning to trust this awareness of conditioned phenomena, not from some kind of cultural uh, uh, value system that you have acquired, but from seeing that it is what it is. You know, if I think I'm the greatest gift to humanity, it is a condition, isn't it? It is what it is. Or if I think I'm just an ordinary bloke, or I'm the most horrible man in the whole world, whatever way, you know, whatever moment you conceive yourself as being, it is what it is. And so this is not, when you say I shouldn't, Feel like that, or this is bad, or this is a- even calling it arrogant is making it more than what it is. Because the word arrogance is pejorative word in English, isn't it? Nobody, nobody, you know, says I'm I'm arrogant as you boast. You know, you're going around saying, you know, I'm the most arrogant person in the world. I mean, there's probably somebody that does that, but it's not culturally part of our expectation, you know, to be modest is is uh, is what we prefer here. Or even self-demeaning is a kind of modesty. But whether it's, it's, it's you know, it's uh, extreme arrogance or self-disparagement or whatever range it is, it's a condition. And that knowing of the condition is this, uh, the way it is. you know, this Pali word, the way it is, da-ta-da, it is, it is what it is. You know, whatever ever thought, memory, emotion that you're experiencing, there's a knowing of it. And then the, the tendency is always to judge it in some way, or to give it a name as, good, bad, right, or wrong, should or shouldn't. So how many of you have, uh, you know, self-critical, you know, see yourselves and and think that that's probably a very good thing to be self-critical? And so we, we can, you know, operate on that. You know, I'm... I have these problems. These problems are mine, and and I should and I shouldn't. But uh, with mindfulness, sati you're it's not about discern, you know, criticizing, saying this is good or bad. It is what it is, the suchness. And so it is what it is is a you know, is a kind of truism in a way. It can be kind of just a obvious truth that is not worth even saying, but it's not meant to, to, to be anything you grasp. It's a way of reminding yourself, it, because that's what it is. Everything at this moment is the way it is. It's a truism, isn't it? How could it be otherwise? At this moment, whatever you're feeling, you know, physically, emotionally, mentally, it's it is this. You know, whether it's pleasant, painful, neutral, good, bad, right or wrong, it is what it is. And so, this is this uh, sense of of the knowing of the conditioned realm is not a rejection. Annihilation is not the the getting rid of and and annihilating the the world or the conditioned phenomena, but no longer blindly, ignorantly identifying, attaching, clinging to it. Now, our life is, uh, some us, You know, this is this is the way we've chosen to live. So this is, you know, it has its it's a conventional form like anything else. So you know, the, one of the the uh, things I really appreciate appreciate about being a bhikkhu is, you know, it's a uh, Simplification of life, not having money, being celibate uh being an alms mendicant, you know I don't have to to spend my life trying to get things and and all that I just you know trying to uh, use all my my life for for working and getting a salary and so forth I can I to, it's an act of trust. It's morally impeccable. So I'm not, like here in 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 living in Britain, for example, we live in this society. It doesn't mean, you know, that we, we're not rejecting the society either. Nor are we, you know, we're not contributing to its uh, foolishness, hopefully. We're not. <laughs> And uh, but we're not, uh, you know, uh, criticizing it and and, and always uh, holding it, you know, saying it should shouldn't be like this, should be like that. We're not caught in trying to, you know, our duty is not to criticize or change, have a, a revolution in the society, or to or to run away from it because it may not, you know, we can't support some of its the things it does. On a moral level, maybe like going to war in Iraq and things like that wasn't, you know, I found that uh, I could be very critical of that. But uh, you know, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't making that the kind of uh, reason for my existence because. Living here, in this society, you have the four requisites, abundance of food, good shelter, robes, and medicine. The Dhamma is being taught, and there's Vinaya. And and it's a, a tolerant society, so that we don't have any great problems about being Buddhists in this country. They don't persecute us or treat us badly or, you know, we aren't living on the edge of being persecuted by the Church of England or anything like that. So uh, even Church of England is a tolerant form of Christianity. So there's a, you know, it's this time there is an openness to trying to accommodate other religions. So, you know, it's a good place to live as a Buddhist summoner. It's, there's, there's a lot going for it, even though we may not always agree with its political aims or values. <clears throat> but our position in this society isn't about isn't on that level. It's not a political one. Economically, we're not very. You know, we're not uh, paying taxes. We're not. Uh, you know we you know using the the system here for our own benefit we don't collect unemployment we are not on the dole <laughs> we're not taking advantage of the generosity of the society either or using it so you see this is quite a impeccable way to live uh, you know, as a human individual, you've got to live somewhere on this planet. So, you know, and then the Buddha obviously established the monastic sangha so that you, you could get out of the traps of the social conditions, the economic, the political problems of any particular society. And so in, in this way it, it, to and then our life is based on meditation, on investigating Dhamma, of cultivating the path, the Eightfold Path. So see this, you know, like this winter's retreat, the, these past three months and uh, uh, as well as the, the other uh, nine months of the year and then the uh, this formal retreat, but but uh, the whole emphasis is on awareness. Using these conditions, this monastery, this temple, this community, for not for personal reasons, but to reflect that any kind of way we we project our personal views opinions into uh, into our consciousness in regards to uh, worldly values worldly attitudes the way we can be intimidated by the lay community the lay community sometimes is very critical of us so <clears throat> you know they can you know tell us how we should be and shouldn't be and and all that, and that, be aware of that, how when when people uh, criticize the sangha, or you in particular, you can be aware of that. You know, so that you're actually learning and somebody says, you you shouldn't, or you should, and <clears throat> you've disappointed me, Ajahn Sumato. I used to have such faith in you and now you've disappointed me. You know, people said that to me. And so, you know, that on a personal level, that's hurtful. But in terms of Dhamma, it's, you know, I see it in terms of, it is what it is. My reaction to what somebody says, some criticism they have of me is like this. I personally feel hurt is like this. It's you know so it's a an, a, a determination to to use uh, one's karma, the way things happen to to oneself in this life, for awareness, for liberation. Use everything that happens to you for liberation. Praise, you know, say you're the you're the greatest monk in the whole world, or you've really disappointed me. I used to have such confidence in you, and now I no longer do, or <laughs> or somebody says, oh, there's a, you know, there's a, the real Buddhism is in Thailand or <laughs> something. This kind of stuff we have here in England is just ersatz, kind of pseudo, the real arahants, they're all in Northeast Thailand. I've heard Thais say that. (laughs) I mean, this is, and it's all practice, isn't it? You know what, between monks and nuns, the gender issues, the. The problems uh, between individuals. And that it's all, you know, it's a part, this is the way the world is. There are endless differences, tendencies. Here it's a very uh, (coughs) international Sangha. We're from all over. We're not all just English, middle class English monks and nuns, they're having the same maybe cultural assumptions, attitudes. But we're from all over the world. From Asia, from Europe, America, and Australia, places like, you know, that we come together because the thing that, that holds us is the buddha dhamma sangha not uh you know that's that's the that's what you you know i hope most of you you come for is it's for liberation liberation from delusion but the world is you know it's a complicated World, it's you know the problems of the of the society uh, in Europe these days. You know, with the economy crashing, the European Union, all the different European countries now having to cooperate with each other in a way they've never had to do before. Uh, All the different immigrants from Asia and Africa. So many, you know, it's not globalization, the influence of the United States. It's so complicated on a conditioned level, isn't it? It's just, it's no longer just, you know, nice little England uh, safely, you know, across the channel from France. And some people resented building that tunnel, the Euro tunnel, because it connected Britain to the european mainland and that you don't want <laughs> We want to keep a, keep that distance the english channel so uh, that keep the keep the europeans away it is a, you know an old kind of mindset a uh, very narrow uh, ethnic uh prejudices not dumb, I mean, it's certainly, you know, keep, keep the aliens out, keep the foreigners away. <clears throat> Protectionist attitudes and whatnot are, you know, very much part of being human. A tribal mind, isn't it? And that Say a tribe is, you know, where the next tribe, which may be the same race, even the same language, but it's the, you know, that's the tribe is your enemy. You know, the, we have a mentality like that of just tribalism where we can see, you know, the, the next uh, county as the enemy. Bedford. <laughs> 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 Don't let any, fr- any of those people from Bedford here into our Hertfordshire tribe. It is ridiculous. But yet, you know, we can all understand how the mindset can work like that. Racism and, and all this is, is not something <clears throat> beyond our comprehension. But it is not Dhamma, is it? And it's not, it's, it's, you know, it tends to create fear, resentment, all kinds of, of bad karma it are, is made through these kind of rigidity of clinging to particular uh, ethnic attitudes or religious prejudices, race prejudices and so forth that we we all have to in, in some degree. But in terms of Buddha Dhamma Sangha, that's that 's not about Asia or europe it 's not even about you know it 's not a divisive religious thing like you know like uh, we are critical you know we we think all other religions are somehow inferior or not the real thing we don't have to have opinions about other religions it's not up to me to 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 uh, evaluate the validity of other religions, thank goodness. Even though I do have an arrogant streak, where I sometimes have done that. <laughs> I, you know, I personally, I prefer <coughs> Buddhism to Christianity. Otherwise, I'd be a Christian. But that's not dhamma, is it? That's not the dhamma. My preference for Buddhism. It is what it is though, it's a condition. So being a Buddhist monk is not, not about, it's not to, to create this personal agenda with it, but to use it for awareness, for see the puto tamo, the Buddha knows the Dhamma. The Buddha is that which is awake to the real to reality. Dhamma is reality. Sangha is is individual human beings practicing, cultivating awareness. Supatipano, Ujupatipano, Yaya Patipano, Samiji Patipano. So when I'm not practicing with awareness, then I'm not, my refuge isn't in Sangha anymore. I'm just Ajahn Samato with my own personal views about Buddhism. My Supatipano isn't about being Theravada or anything like that. It's about, it's a it's a convention, but it's for reflection, not for identity. It's not a, I'm Supatipano as a kind of personal uh, identity. But taking refuge in the Sangha, Sankang Sernangachami, is that intention, that movement to be mindful, to be this knowing. Bhutto, Tamo sankho. So these three jewels, they're called, or refuges, Their expedient means like anything else, they're conditions, but they're 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 reminders, they're not positions we take. They're not personal qualities that we can describe ourselves with. So it's like you know, like an icon in that it's it's to remind you Buddha Dhamma Sangha, Tamo, Sangho the unborn Uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. There is the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. Therefore, there is the escape from the born, the created, the formed, the conditioned. So, yesama pikwe ati ajatang aputang akatang asankatang there is because there is the unborn now this is this is a statement of fact it's not i think there's something called the unborn somewhere but i don't know what the you know i don't know what Ajahn Sameer was talking about <laughs> <laughs> And this is where it's not about a thing, is it? It's about state of being, about being awake. There is this, this is the unborn. There's nothing miraculous about it or, or arcane or remote. It's, it's here and now, awaken the simplicity of just paying attention, listening, Trust this, and then there, and from this, then there is the the release, the escape from the Jatasa bhūtāsa, kātāsa, sankātāsa. So you see that, like in this this uh, formal retreat, i emphasizing this teaching uh, just to to kind of. Repeated over and over, to, you know, so, you know that you actually, you know, the scene is just some kind of nice poly teaching or chant, uh, you know, just another chant you have to learn. This is a reflection, so that you know, it's not, and to to investigate see, the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. This is, isn't just empty verbiage or intellectualism. It's for what is the unborn right now, the unborn, uncreated. This is a very strange way to talk, isn't it? Unborn, uncreated. <clears throat> Unconditioned. In terms of our cultural uh, education, you know, where who, who talks like that in, in your educational system? <laughs> you know, it's all about, you know, get good marks, pass the exams, be somebody, prove yourself. You know, the the winner, the one who born in poverty and becomes a billionaire. And this is (laughs) somebody who, you know, doesn't let their poor background get them down. They can really prove themselves by becoming very wealthy and very powerful. And this is This isn't about the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. This is about becoming a special condition. Born poor, you're just an ordinary person, you know, nothing special, but you've, through hard work, discipline, being clever, unscrupulous, (laughs) and so forth. Learning how to manipulate and then. And exploit the conditioned realm, you become the richest person in Europe. Then that's the created, the formed, the conditioned. But whoever teaches, there is the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. And yet, to me, this is this is a a, uh, you know this is a perfect statement in. uh, you know, as best you can probably ever get in any language of stating what the, the reality in words. But I, I, don't, I don't hear it being used even in the Theravada Buddhist. You know, it's there, you find it in the, it's in the Udana. And the, but it's, it's, it's not usually used by uh, teachers that I know of. So just uh, sharing this with you and, and how to use it so that it, it's not just a, another chant we do in the morning and evening, but it's actually taking it and using it for reminding yourself and exploring, investigating. You know, don't be, don't be afraid of your own mental states. You know, no matter how mad they might be, or or silly, or foolish, or arrogant, or outrageous, or depressing, or malicious, or nasty, it's, it's your your refuge now is in Buddha, knowing the Dhamma. So even the most malicious, nasty thoughts can be seen in that way as a, it is what it is. It's a uh, Anicca. It's a sankhara. It arises and ceases. It's not self. It is what it is. So it's not not about criticizing yourself, and and then feeling guilty because a good monk and a good nun should be humble and and kind and full of compassion. Even though that's true, we should be. But at this moment, whatever. I should be, this is what I'm feeling, you know. So if it's, uh, you know, a crazy mental state or a mean-hearted one or whatever, don't be afraid of it. It's, it, it is what it is and your relationship to it changes from identity, rejection, judgment, criticism to puto tamo sankho so it's supatipano, Practicing in in the right way, by recognizing it, it is what it is. All conditions are impermanent. Anicca dukkha nata. So this refrain over and over, just so that you keep remembering, so you become more less frightened of yourself, more uh, uh, willing to look at things in a direct way, not to not to perpetuate any any lingering self-views anymore but to to see things as they are to know Dhamma rather than just be caught in the spider's web